Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Friday 30th of July is World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. On the podcast this week, I talked to Esther Swaffield Bray, Director of England at International Justice Mission UK, about the global campaign to end slavery and trafficking. She talks about how IJM works in partnership with police, local authorities and churches in different countries to rescue victims of slavery and trafficking, bring perpetrators to justice and provide long-term support to survivors. She also explains why the pandemic has made more people vulnerable to exploitation. And she explains how churches in the UK can join the campaign. For more information, visit IJMUK.org. Esther, welcome to the Church Times podcast. Thank you so much, Ed. It's a real joy to be with you today. Now, this week on 30th of July, um, the day or the day after this this podcast will go out, it's World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. So if you could tell us something about this day and what you hope it will achieve. So yes, this 30th of July is World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. And as IJM, we are hoping that this day will be used to spread awareness around the brutal realities of human trafficking today, particularly given the context of the pandemic, which has made even more people vulnerable to trafficking. This is a fantastic opportunity to see a light shone on this problem. And as well as raising awareness around the brutal realities of trafficking and modern day slavery, we also want to let people know that there is hope and that change is possible. You know, during the pandemic, even though we've seen vulnerabilities to trafficking increase as IGM, we actually saw more people brought to safety uh, last year than ever um, before. And this is all possible because people like your listeners um, Ed, have, have been generous in their support uh, and in their prayer. And we are really hopeful that this day um, we'll see more individuals, more churches, more communities, more businesses, we'll rally the government and other authorities all to work together to end trafficking uh, for good. People sometimes talk about slavery as, as a thing of the past. Um, and we, we had an article by the Bishop of London on, on historical examples and talking about present day recently. But can you give us a sense of how widespread this problem is today around the world? Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you're anything like me, I learned about the issue of slavery in my history lessons at school. Um, we learn about slavery in the past tense. We look at pictures in black and white. And yet, if when you hear the word slavery, the image that springs to mind is one of, of black and white, then you need to fast update that into full colour. Because sla sadly, slavery is alive and well today. And we are at the devastating point where there are more people living today in slavery than at any point in history before. Somewhere around the 40 million mark, which uh, if you want an equivalent, that's around about the population of Canada. And slavery takes many forms today from labour trafficking, from people forced to work in brick kilns or on fishing boats, uh, to, to children trafficked for sexual exploitation via the internet, and um, even modern forms of slavery, live streaming of abuse, which we've actually seen skyrocket during the pandemic. And unfortunately, this last year and a half with COVID-19, we've seen even more people being put at risk because more people have been forced into poverty, more people have lost jobs and, and children are out of school, meaning the usual safeguards in place just aren't there. 
And with justice systems under more pressure, basically traffickers are less likely to be held to account. So there's this feeling of, oh, I can get away with it. And, and what we're seeing is that although vulnerabilities are increasing, we're sort of at this tipping point in time, really, where we've got this opportunity where the world has sort of been put on pause in a way where we're taking a look at, OK, what sort of future do we want to build where we can actually um, make a real dent on this problem? And um, I've said that over 40 million people held in slavery, that is a huge number and that can seem super overwhelming. So let me just bring that into sharp reality. Um, I would love to share with you the story of one uh, incredibly courageous young woman called Joy. Out of 40 million, one young woman called Joy, who um, is a survivor of modern day slavery. And she uh, was trafficked for sexual exploitation aged 13. And uh, she um, is, is from Southeast Asia and she grew up in the Philippines and she was trafficked for sexual exploitation actually by her aunt. Uh, and she was abused um, online as well as in person uh, for the entirety of her teenage years. Um, she was uh, around about 17 when IJM working with police were able to locate where she was being abused and were able to, to bring her out of that situation um, along with actually dozens of children that we found in the neighborhood that her aunt was similarly abusing. And the amazing thing about Joy is that fast forward a few years as she's now training to be a social worker and all the way through the pandemic, her training um, has been continuing as she is working uh, to help support other young women. And her story for me is an amazing example of, 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 of how the, the courage um, of individuals um, like her, um, how uh, the story doesn't end um, necessarily with a victim being rescued, but how this piece of restoration um, is a story being told all around the world as well. As well, So 40 million, but each of those 40 million are individuals with a name and a face. Um, that statistic, every statistic has a story and stories like joy. That's why this work matters. Yeah, I mean, my, my next question really was how IGM goes about identifying victims of, of slavery and trafficking and ensuring they receive long-term support. I and mean, you've, you've talked about it in that specific instance. Are there, um, can you say something a bit about the sort of processes you have in place and how you, it, it must take a lot of planning and organisation to, to, to do this work? Absolutely. And um, partnership and collaboration really is the heart of this work. And uh, wherever we work, collaboration with, with local authorities is central to our approach that is the way that this work is effective that is the way that this work is long-term and sustainable so we come alongside and partner with local authorities and we work with them to investigate potential instances of trafficking in line with local law and then we work alongside those authorities to bring trafficking victims to safety and then in terms of that long-term support like with joy um, we partner with aftercare service providers to ensure that these survivors are receiving the very best trauma-informed care possible to help them process their experiences to rebuild their lives in safety so they're not then at risk of, of re-trafficking and really importantly we we work with authorities to actually bring the perpetrators to justice so so for survivors who, who choose to pursue justice against their traffickers we ensure that they're supported throughout that legal process and it's really important not only to the individual survivors to see their traffickers held to account but actually for the long-term reduction in the prevalence of trafficking because basically what happens when one trafficker is convicted is a powerful message is sent out to other would-be criminals 
that you cannot continue these cycles of abuse and exploitation and others are disincentivized for committing the same crime. So yes, supporting individuals is really, really key. Trauma-informed care, ensuring that that individual receives all the care and support they need to rebuild their lives, but also actually addressing the systemic issues so that people aren't exploited in the first place. So when you hold those two things together, the care of individuals right up to seeking justice, to looking at the systemic gaps of fixing the broken system, to, to holding perpetrators to accountable, that's where the gold is. That's how we're seeing systemic change come. And I have seen that when you partner these two things together, so actually working with individual survivors right up to um, looking at the systemic issues, you can create massive change. And in countries where we've worked, we've seen up to 86% reductions. In, in rates of trafficking by, by doing these things, partnering and work with individuals right up to address the gaps in the system. I'd like to ask about the, the part that churches play on the ground. You're, you're a Christian organisation motivated by Christian faith to, to do this work. Um, what sort of value does it add working with churches specifically? You know, the central story of the Christian faith is one of freedom. You know, the Exodus story we live in as, as Christians, don't we, of one of coming from uh, slavery into liberation. You know, we serve a God whose cry was let my people go. And it's one of the amazing things that our team have seen and learned over the years is, is the influence um, and the role that churches can have in this work to, to mobilise communities uh, against violent injustice, to support survivors and and to, to pray and give generously to this work and it's been so encouraging to see God at work through local communities and um, all around the world I mean, we've seen that the local church making incredible impact uh, when it comes to tackling issues of, of slavery and, and modern trafficking one example that springs to mind is the amazing move of the local church we've seen uh, in Ghana recently and our Ghanaian team have been traveling around um, the islands of Lake Volta, which is a child trafficking hotspot, to, to basically train pastors and their church communities to recognize the signs of trafficking so that they in turn can report cases to the authorities. And um, recently after one of these training events with, with, with a collection of, of pastors, a pastor then went back to his church to preach on justice and, and child trafficking. And, and through that message, a woman who was sat in his congregation reported that she had recognised the case of trafficking that she believed involved her children. That information in turn actually led to the eventual rescue of her two sons who had been had been trafficked to work on the lake. And um, those children were successfully reintegrated with their family um, just earlier this year. And that story of empowering the local church to be the hands and feet in their community, that is super exciting. And we're seeing God at work in, in amazing ways. Um, as we're seeing that that local that local community um, mobilise, it's the same story all around the world. Actually, we had a similar story in the Dominican Republic recently of church leaders who'd been uh, trained spotting the signs, um, and again, individuals brought out of slavery into freedom. And then churches in the UK, whether they're stepping up and stepping in with resources, with prayer, with advocacy, oh, the role of the church in this Ed, it's it's exciting um, and it's key. Um, it really is key. Can I ask following on from that, I mean, some of these situations, is there ever any um, hesitancy on the part of local pastors or, or people in churches to take action because um, because of fear of the consequences? I mean, is there ever any danger because you're interrupting the work of, of, of criminal gangs, essentially, quite dangerous people? 
you're right this this work does deal with with criminal activity slavery by its very nature trafficking by its nature is illegal um and what we're what we're doing is we're in, in empowering um, local churches in that Ghanaian instance to spot the signs and then report the local authorities so what we're not saying is dive in yourself <laughs> but rather use the systems and the structures in place um, to safely be aware to safely report to 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 not walk around with our eyes closed but actually be vigilant and aware to what might be going on with our local communities and then know the correct channels to report it um, so so you're right we we don't want to dive in um, absolutely to 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 try and interrupt this work ourselves no 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 we want to empower the local authorities um, and the system to do the job that it's there um, to do spoken a little bit about this already but perhaps could, you could expand on it i mean we reported in the church times um last year that the um, international justice mission had warned that the pandemic was likely to increase slavery and trafficking so what has this been the case and and what were some of the reasons if so well the, re the reality is Ed, that we are still seeing the full impacts un unfold i mean the pandemic is not over yet um but certainly the the early indicators from our teams around the world is that the pandemic has indeed sadly made even more people vulnerable to exploitation. Um, we've seen the, the risk and the vulnerabilities of trafficking increase many fold and, and that is the case in, in many, many, many of the countries around the world that we work. And there are lots of reasons for this from um, children not being in school, so the usual safeguards that would be in place simply not being there to uh, people around the world, including countries like ours, spending more time online. And um, I mentioned it before, but we've seen levels of the online exploitation of children um, absolutely skyrocket during the pandemic. Our team in the Philippines, which is a hotspot um, for the online sexual exploitation of children, have recorded huge, um, huge increase in the amount of explicit material that is being accessed um, from countries like ours and that is pretty hard to stomach really um, when you're realizing that the impact of um, nations western nations like ours being locked down spending time on the internet is that real children are being abused on the internet around the world um, and of course then there's the result of the economic um, precarity um, in the current season and particularly that's the case for informal workers who um, many of whom have been impacted by the loss of work over the last year and a half or so, meaning that they're more likely to be exploited because they don't have their, their job that they need. Um, and then kind of <laughs> spanning across that is that justice systems simply are under more pressure in this season. Um, I mentioned it before, but where traffickers are less likely to be held to account, we know that many more are, are more prone to prey um, on the vulnerable. And so, yes, the pandemic uh, isn't over, but the early signs are that people are, are being made more vulnerable um, to issues of tra uh, trafficking and slavery. Hence, now is a great time to act. So as you've said, modern slavery and trafficking is, is a huge problem on a global scale and can seem overwhelming. You've mentioned a couple of, of stories of individuals um, being, being freed and provided with long term support to escape this. Um, are, are there any others that, that come to mind in, in other countries that sort of illustrate the sort of work that, that you and your partners do? Thanks, Ed. I'd, I'd love to share with you the story of a woman called Angela, who was a young woman living in rural Romania, who met a man online 
in spring of last year and they began a relationship. Um, she was experiencing poverty at home and, and forms of domestic abuse. And actually this man offered a way out. You know, he offered that she'd come to the UK with him and they'd get married. And as this online relationship developed, what transpired is that he actually trafficked her to the UK. She was trafficked to London and her reality in London, as you might guess, was very, very different from what she'd be promised. And she was trafficked into sexual exploitation. Now, remarkably, she actually managed to escape and contact a member of the public who called the police, who then in turn referred her case to IJM's team in Romania, who have been able to help Angela. And she uh, has been able to safely return to Romania where she's receiving therapy and support to help her to recover from this and actually to build a safe and stable life back home. And um, a Christian NGO within the, the church in Romania has been able to help Angela and her family um, with the very, very practical needs um, in her situation. Um, but what I've found particularly inspiring about this case is the partnership that we're seeing at every level here from the local police with IJM, with IJM in Romania, IJM in the UK, and then the local church back in Romania, ensuring that she has a safe and stable place um, to land. But also the courage and strength of Angela herself represents, I think, the courage and strength we so often see in our survivors around the world and um, the collaboration that we're seeing between the cross-border agencies in this case I think represents significant steps forward um, and as this case is ongoing um, I can't tell you a neat ending to the story yet um, but we are praying and working to ensure that the perpetrator um, cannot go on to harm others that justice is secured in this case and, and this case will be ongoing for, for some time. And you, you've talked about um, the exploitation of children online, particularly during the pandemic. And I know um, IG, IJM has been seeking to influence the online safety bill, um, which is going through Parliament, I believe, and to make sure it contains sort of robust enough measures to protect children. Do you as an organisation feel that the measures currently in the bill are robust enough? And is there anything you'd like to see changed about the bill? So um, in terms of what the online safety bill is, for those who might not be familiar, um, this bill is essentially a new bill aimed to establish new regulations to address illegal and harmful content online. And essentially what this bill does is it places a duty of care on tech platforms to prevent, detect, remove and report child abuse materials from being shared, which is much needed as I've shared the reality of the online sexual exploitation of children you know these are real children that need protecting from absolutely horrific abuse and IJM we support this safety bill it's a great step forward but in order to be most effective we do I think need to go a step further and and three three ways that the IJM are, are pushing for this bill to be the most effective it can be um, is firstly to incentivize the tech platforms to prioritize detecting newly made child abuse materials um, including the live streaming of child abuse as well as existing materials secondly we really want this legislation to push Ofcom, um, who are the body who are responsible uh, for making sure that companies are complying uh, to really prioritize this as well and thirdly, um, to really prioritise effective enforcement of this. So we're really recommending that the bill uh, clarifies exactly the criteria for issuing penalties so that this bill really has, has teeth. But, but overall, we, we do think this bill, this bill really does represent a, a really promising opportunity 
for the UK to do something really important in this space and to lead the way on, on protecting children online. I know it's a great opportunity for technical innovation to really ultimately protect real people all around the world from harmful abuse. But we absolutely want to push it to have the maximum impact it possibly can, hence pushing for that bill to go a step further um, in the ways that I've mentioned. And finally, I mean, people listening to this who are, who are church leaders or who um, are involved with their local churches, I mean, what are, are there one, one or two ways that they can help in this campaign against slavery and trafficking? You know, the Christian story is one that centres around freedom and there is a special role for the people of God to get involved in this work. There are lots of different ways you can get involved from raising your voice to giving to this work. And I'd love to invite you to check out ijmuk.org for more information. Um, but in terms of your church community, two key ways that I'd love to invite you. And first of all, um, we'd love to invite you to host a Freedom Sunday. That is all about taking a Sunday to shine a light on issues of slavery and trafficking. Uh, you know, these crimes thrive in the dark. And shining a light on it, it is a first step we can all take in making sure that these things don't go unnoticed, unseen, that we don't remain neutral, but we put a stake in the ground and say, oh, we are going to shine a light on these issues and we're going to do something about it. So if you check out ijmuk.org slash Freedom Sunday, there's loads of resources for you as a church community to take your first step in becoming aware uh, and, and taking action to be part of the story of freedom and ending crimes of slavery for good. And second of all, uh, we are a movement built on prayer and we covet your prayer. I would love to invite you to simply pray for justice, for pray for the breakthrough that we know uh, God wants to see all around the world, to, to pray um, for the release and the restoration of survivors, to pray for the systemic change that we know is possible. And um, in order to do that, please do sign up again on our website, ijmuk.org, and you can sign up to have prayer updates emailed straight to your inbox the really specific prayer needs of this work and we'd love to invite you to join a community around the world who are praying for justice please do get in touch um, with us if you've got any questions or if there are any other ways that you'd like to explore getting involved we would love to work alongside you um, as this will take a movement to see slavery ended for good thank you for listening to this week's episode of the church times podcast you can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. Thank you.